and dismissed him with a pair of mock salutes. Were it not for the ash floating like brittle snow, the September air would have been pleasant. The temperature was in the upper eighties, the morning sky a chalky blue. But every now and then a black cloud streaked above Mark's head, vague shadows that promised danger to come. And off in the distance was a constant low rumble that thrummed through Mark's boots. Inside the tent, Mark found controlled chaos. A woman, worn down by fatigue and stress, inspected his orders. "'You're another mercenary. I'm the new supply officer for Lodestone. What I said?' She shot out a hand. "'Passport!' Mark had it ready for her. She checked his face against the photo. Then she keyed his name into a computer, squinted at the screen, and pointed at the dusty chaos. "'See those supply trucks!' The field beyond was a mini-city of supply mountains and rumbling trucks. Yes. Four are headed for the French camp named here in your orders. Go check in with the dispatcher. She inspected him again, her gaze glinting with dark humor. Don't expect looks and a smile to get you very far out here. What smile? Mark replied, but the woman had already turned away. The four trucks were piled high with cornmeal sacks and water purification systems and medical supplies. Mark knew because he had been given the manifest by a sweating dispatcher who scarcely even glanced at Mark's credentials. The man was simply glad to find someone willing to take responsibility for the load. The lead truck was a Volvo with 300,000 miles on the clock. The others were in even worse states of repair. Mark's seat was repaired with duct tape, The springs dug into his back with every jouncing dip. The driver was a good-natured Angolan, whose name Mark had not caught. They shared the truck's cab with two other young men, one of whom was stuffed into the rear crawlspace. Two more rode perched on top of the load. The driver spoke a few words in Mark's direction, laughed at Mark's lack of understanding, and turned on the radio. The volcano formed a hissing overlay that drowned out the music, so the driver slipped in a tape. The men drummed their hands in time to the tune and chattered constantly. The air was compressed, the men's fragrance an earthy spice. When they turned west onto the main highway, Mark finally released his smile. He was headed in the one direction he truly relished, toward action. The manifest he held was stamped with the emblem of Mark's company. Lodestone had recently become one of the largest suppliers of humanitarian equipment in Africa. Theirs was a specialty service. Their clients included every major aid agency, along with the United Nations. Whenever and wherever a crisis erupted, the agencies turned to firms like Mark's to deliver emergency supplies, and do so fast. But there was a problem. One so large it had rung alarm bells 8,000 miles away, which was why Mark had been brought in. An outsider, who some thought had no chance of success and even less of survival. Before departing for Nairobi, Mark had been repeatedly warned of unseen foes who would make it their business to assure he never made it back alive. Mark had responded that he would have had it no other way. Now that he was isolated by smoke and fire and turmoil and Africa, Mark wondered at his habit of landing in impossible situations. Traffic along the main road to Eldoret moved at a crawl, Directly ahead of them were crude donkey carts, piled with farm implements and children, with goats tied to the rear gates. 
The animals fought the ropes and bleated as they were pulled forward. Mark's convoy remained on the road for over three hours and covered less than ten miles. They then turned north on what was little more than a rutted dirt track. A pair of waist-high signs with Red Cross camp names were the only indication of life ahead. A squad of bored soldiers kept the traffic from making the turn, motioning it farther west with languid African gestures. After exchanging a few words with the lead driver, the soldier stepped aside. The vista consisted of scrub and the occasional thorn tree. To their left, the world was lost behind a curtain of doom. Occasionally they came upon crumbled patches of asphalt, but most of the road had long been washed away. They traveled through much of the day, crawling along at a brisk walking pace. Mark figured they might have covered twenty miles. They were far enough from the volcano not to see many cinders, which was good because the road...